Good morning, good morning, Doxa. <laughs> How wonderful it is to praise the Lord this Resurrection Day. As you find your way back to your seats, <laughs> please follow along with me on the screen behind me or in your Bibles or on your phones as I read today's scripture, which comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This has been the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Well, the original Easter Sunday, the original Easter Sunday was the most important event in the history of the world. And if you're here this morning and you're wondering why some of us are kind of excited about that, maybe you heard some people shouting, maybe you heard people singing pretty loudly, maybe you look like some people are pretty excited around you, then, then what we want you to know is that even though it's almost 2,000 years since that occurred, it's because we are excited because we have found the most important event in the history of the world to be the most important thing in our lives. You see, you have to understand this if you're going to fully understand what Easter means. The death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ are historic facts. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ are historic facts, and those historic facts have very real effects on our lives. In fact, not only is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ the central facts, the central facts to history, they are the central, the most important thing in all of our lives. Not just for the lives of people here who consider themselves believers or Christians, but everyone, all of us, every single one of us in this room, every single person on the face of the globe, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important thing, not only in history, but it's the most important thing in your life. Because, here's why, if Jesus Christ, the Jewish peasant, who became a great teacher, who performed many miracles in front of thousands of people, who claimed to be the Son of God, the long-awaited Messiah and Savior of Israel and Savior of the world. If Jesus Christ was God incarnate, that means God who had come in human flesh. If Jesus Christ was killed on a Roman cross, bearing the guilt of our sins, was buried in a borrowed tomb that Friday evening and rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit, never to die again and ascended in that human now glorified body and is seated at the right hand of the Father with that body, if all that is true, if all that is true, so that sinful, rebellious, broken, 
fallen human beings like you and me can be saved from our sin and our death. And that, and that changed and, and allows us to be changed and made whole again and brought back into fellowship with God. If all that is true, and I'm here to tell you this morning, all that and more is true. If all that is true, then where you stand regarding Jesus Christ, who he was and what he did is the central issue in your life because it makes all the difference in your life now and for eternity. That, that's, what, that's what the text that, that Ms. Carolyn just read for us this morning means. Romans 8, 11. Just hear this again. If, if. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Did you hear that first statement? That's a big word right at the beginning. If. If, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will also give life to your mortal bodies. Anything and everything about Christianity is true. Only if, only if Jesus has been raised from the dead. Everything and anything about Christianity is true if and only if Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Do you believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? Maybe you're here and you say, you know, I believe a lot of things about Jesus. I believe he was a good man and a profound teacher. But I'm not 100% sure about the miracles. How do you turn water into wine? How do you walk on water? And how do you raise the dead? I'm not 100% sure about that. And him rising from the dead seems a little too far-fetched for me to actually get behind. I just haven't been able to get behind it. Whereas there's others in this room, maybe the majority in this room today, who would say something more like, I don't want to live in a world where Jesus Christ wasn't risen from the dead. But here's the truth. It doesn't matter whether you want to believe it or not. The real issue is the facts. What do the facts say? You see, Christianity isn't about taking a step of faith into the dark. It does require faith. But Christianity is not about taking a step of faith out into the dark. It is a faith. Christianity is a faith that's based upon facts. It's a faith that's based upon truth. It's a faith that's based upon news of facts of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And here's how deep that goes. Here's how true that is. Here's what the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul who spent his life sharing the gospel, planting churches all across Europe and the Middle East. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you will and you are still in your sins, then those who have fallen asleep, that means those who have died in Christ, have perished 
If in Christ we have hope in this life only, then we are all people most to be pitied. But what are the facts that we base our faith on? Christianity is about faith, but it's not about taking a, a step of faith into the blindly into the dark. What are the facts surrounding Christianity? Well, the facts surrounding Christianity are that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. And he lived a sin, sinless life. And as he entered into his ministry, he predicted many times that he would die. He predicted not only that he would die, but he predicted that when he went to Jerusalem the last time, that he would be killed. And not only that, he predicted long before it happened how he would die, that is, by crucifixion on a cross. And not only that, but Jesus predicted, he told his disciples who didn't fully understand, who weren't behind it, who did not support him in these statements, he told, he told his disciples and many, many eyewitnesses, not only will I die on a Roman cross, but on the third day I will rise again. He said it so many times that not only did his disciples know it, but the Jewish authorities knew it as well. And that's why the day after he was crucified, they went to the Roman authority, Pontius Pilate, and said, you know, Pilate, even you know that this Jesus guy who we just killed on the cross, who we can testify that he died, the Roman authorities who were experts in killing people testify that he was dead. Not only was he crucified on the cross, but his side was pierced and blood and water flowed. He was dead. And they said, you know that he prophesied, he predicted that on the third day he would rise again, so would you send us guards so we can guard the tomb? And it says that they went, and not only did they go send soldiers, trained Roman soldiers, by the way, who did not simply leave their post because leaving their post was at penalty of death, guarded the tomb, and they sealed the stone as well to show that it had not been opened. They stood guard because Jesus had predicted that he would die on the third day, he would rise again. But then, Sunday morning rolls around, and all of a sudden, the guards are gone. The women who show up to the tomb, who were not even, not even be permitted to be, to testify in a legal court at the time, the women who were the first ones to show up to the tomb find the guards are gone, the stone is unsealed and rolled away, and the grave was empty and Jesus' body was missing. And it was not a conspiracy because these women and Jesus' disciples, his closest followers, who would come and see the empty tomb, themselves wondered who came and stole and moved his body. No one knew. The Roman authorities, the Jewish authorities, Jesus' followers, no one knew what had happened to the body of Jesus. And no one ever, going forward, no Roman authority, no Jewish authority, nobody who had been a part of the so-called conspiracy with the disciples, nobody came forth at any time and said, yes, we were there when the body was stolen. It's impossible that it could have been stolen. It was guarded by Roman soldiers and the stone was sealed. The New Testament not only shows that the grave was empty, but it also shows that his own disciples, those closest to him, doubted all the way through. His own, one of his own disciples, Thomas, said, 
after Jesus had appeared to some of them, he said, I won't believe that he is actually risen unless I put my finger in the holes of his hands and I put my hand into the hole in his side. But there were over 5,000 eyewitnesses who testified that Jesus Christ had risen again and they had seen him with their own eyes. In fact, over 500 people at one time saw him appear to them. And not only were these historical facts, these were such historical facts that when the writers of the New Testament were writing, they said, those eyewitnesses are alive even today and they will tell you they saw it. No authorities ever declared, no authorities ever claimed to have found or knew what happened to Jesus' body. No one was ever able to prove that he was still dead. Do you know that? No one was ever able to prove that Jesus Christ was still dead. None of the hundreds of people who professed they saw Jesus Christ alive and resurrected, none of them ever, none of them ever recanted their story. None of them ever took it back. None of their stories ever diverged or changed over time, even to torture and death. You see, there's a difference between something being disputed and something that's difficult or hard to believe. There's a difference between something being disputed and something that's, that's hard to comprehend or difficult to believe. I can't believe, personally, I can't believe that Crocs with socks is a thing. I, I really can't believe it. It continually baffles me and astounds me. If you're here wearing Crocs with socks, more power to you, you are trendy. I just don't understand it and comprehend it. It is a thing, it, but it is, no matter how much I, it's hard for me to believe, no matter how difficult it is for me to comprehend, it is un, indisputably true that Crocs with socks are a thing now. <laughs> and the same thing is true with Jesus' resurrection. No one has been, ever been able to dispute or refute the truth that Jesus had been bodily raised from the dead. And that's still true today. You may not believe it. It may be difficult for you to comprehend. But it is the most indisputable fact in human history. And isn't that great news today? Believer, isn't that great news today? Your... Believer, your faith is not empty. The grave is. Your faith is not empty, a step in the dark. The grave was empty. And if you're not a Christian yet, if you're not a Christian yet, don't you see how that truth, that indisputable truth, is great, not just good news to you, but great news to you this morning. The grave was empty, Jesus was raised, which means this, if that is true, then that means your future can be totally changed. You can have, you can be in a place where you have no more fear of death, no more wrath, no more cosmic loneliness. 
and have all that replaced with love and joy and peace and fellowship being restored with your creator. Why? Because Jesus' death and resurrection secures the same future for the believer. Jesus' death and resurrection secures the same future for the believer. He will also, do you hear that? He will also, he will also, as he did for Christ, he will do for you. He will also, as Jesus was dead in the tomb, his blood, his blood and water had flowed, his, had, his side was pierced, he was dead, laid in the tomb, just so also will he give life to your mortal body. Jesus destroyed the power of death by his resurrection. He destroyed, utterly defeated, vanquished, destroyed, whatever word you want to throw at it, he utterly vanquished and destroyed the power of death by his resurrection. And that very victory can be yours. Yours. Because he took death for you. Not just for general, he took death for you. He was resurrected for you. And that is why the resurrection of Jesus means so much. It's really the only answer, the only answer to the great problem of death. You see, death is the great problem that we all face. No matter who we are, no matter what life we've lived, no matter where we've come from, no matter how hard we try to do, no matter how much we try to achieve in life, it, death, is the great thing that we all face and every single one of us does. And it hangs over every single one of us like a sword suspended on a string. And no one, no one outside of Jesus Christ no one has figured out the problem of death. Now, some people, some religions, some philosophies of life, some, some people will, will, may help you face death. They might help you deal with death. But none of them, none of them even profess to have changed the problem of death. Or to offer you an assurance that it's taken care of. You see, there's a problem that all philosophies, all religions have outside of Jesus Christ. When it comes to facing death, they either offer blind hope or willful ignorance. Blind hope. Follow this pattern. Follow this teaching. Do what we tell you to do, and hopefully it will go okay for you on the other side of death. Or, let's not even think about death. Let's do whatever we can today to not even have to think about the fact that all of our lives have an expiration date. But Jesus' death and his resurrection is the only thing. Jesus is the only one who says, I can help you face death because I faced death fully. I can help you face the terrible truths of death. You see, only Jesus' death and resurrection can help you face the consequence of your death. See, that's really the scary thing about death. We all know that it's not the way it should be. Sickness, disease, 
fear, suffering. We all know that's not how this life should operate. But that, all of that, suffering, disease, fear, sickness, death, all that is the ter- is, are the terrible result of our sin and our rebellion. Your death, your impending death, is the result of your sin and your rebellion against a good God, and it is the only payment that is acceptable. And that finality shakes us. And it should. Most of us don't want to face it. We'd rather just have some vague hope or distract ourselves from ever actually ever thinking about it. But Jesus, his death and resurrection helps us to face it because the meaning of his death and resurrection is that he took our terrible consequence for us. Jesus' death and resurrection is the only thing that can help you face the certainty of your death. We don't know where or when, but we all know that we face eventually death for all of us. And Jesus, because of his death and resurrection, is the only one who can say, I can offer you hope that isn't blind because I've been there and back. And not only that, but he's made a new path for the Christian. Death has no hold on you. Why? Because the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, that that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That's what it means, by the way, to be a Christian. A Christian is someone who has the Spirit of God dwelling within them. And that Holy Spirit, the promise is, will resurrect even your weak, mortal body, just like he did for Jesus Christ, our Lord. And how do we know this is true? How do we know that's true? Paul tells us if the Spirit of God dwells in you. So what this scripture is telling us is that the Christian has two, two concrete proofs of their future. Number one, the empty grave, which is a historic fact. And two, the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. Where do you stand with those proofs? Where do you stand with the cross and the empty grave? Where do you stand with who Jesus is and was? Where do you stand with your relation to him? Where do you stand? Do you possess the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within you? Here's what Paul is saying, the guy who wrote this passage. Here's what he's saying about death for those who believe in Jesus. He's saying your resurrection is secured if the Spirit of God dwells within you. It is the Spirit of God that makes this happen to you. It's the Spirit of God that makes this happen within you. You see, Christian hope is not blind hope. It's not blind faith. Christian hope is a reality. It's a power. There is no guesswork. There is no empty hoping. Christianity isn't just something that you just believe. 
you have to believe in Jesus Christ. You have to believe him as Savior and Lord. But Christianity doesn't end there. Christianity is the result of the reality of something that has happened to you and within you. When you see the absolute historic facts, the truth of Jesus' life and death, his burial and resurrection, when you see the cross and his love for you and his sacrifice for your sin, when you see him taking death for you and you see the empty grave and him being risen again and you place your faith and hope and trust in him, something happens within you, you are changed. You may not know the moment that it occurs, but once it has happened, you know something has changed in the very core of your being. You find life where there wasn't life before. You find faith where there wasn't faith before. You find power where there wasn't power before. And you find love like you've never known to be a real reality within you. You know, Christianity isn't about you tapping into new parts of yourself. It isn't about self-realization. Christianity is about God, the Creator, the Almighty, through His Holy Spirit, breathing life into your soul the same way that He breathed life into the body of Jesus Christ in that grave. It is a reality within the believer just as real as the body of Jesus Christ being risen again and walking out of the grave is. Nothing less for a believer, nothing less than a new creation has happened within you. Just as God breathed life into the first man, Adam, and life into the second Adam, Jesus Christ, he breathes life into the soul of the believer. And you find life and power and love where there had not been before. Why? Because that is your great need. That is your great need. Jesus said this to a good man who came to him in the middle of the night. This very good man. who had kept the law of God, was recognized as a teacher of the scriptures, came to Jesus and was asking him for advice and counsel. And this is what Jesus said to a good man who knew the law and taught the law. This is what he said, John 3, 3. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. You see, your great need isn't to stop doing something or to start doing something. That's not what Jesus says here. He says you must become something altogether different. You must become something altogether different. Now do you see the impossibility of seeing the kingdom of God? Your nature must be changed at the very core of who you are. You must find spiritual life within you where there was only spiritual death before. And how can that happen? Well, that's the great mystery 
and the great power of Easter. It's the great message of Easter. It's the great news surrounding the facts of Jesus' death and resurrection. For God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish or die, but have what? Everlasting or eternal life. Did you hear that? Who doesn't perish or die? Who doesn't perish or die? The one who has eternal or everlasting or resurrection life within them, and that's the glorious mystery and message of Easter. Jesus' death assures and secures the pardon of your sin, your actions, all of them, past, present, and future. And his resurrection assures and secures you of, of new, irrepressible life within you. Do you hear that, believer? The life that is within you by the Spirit of God is new and irrepressible life. It cannot be taken away. It cannot be put out. It can never die. And because of that, you will never die. Your death will be swallowed by victory. Your mortality will be swallowed by immortality. Death, oh death, where is your sting? It is gone for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you are here this morning and you are not a believer, that can be true for you as well. That's what it means to be a Christian. That God in Christ, through his spirit that dwells within you, will quicken or bring to life even your dead, mortal body. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead has taken up residence in you if you are a believer in Christ. And that changes your future and your present. Because just as assuredly, just as assuredly as an acorn that sprouts will grow into an oak tree, so will the life of the Spirit of God within you quicken or bring to life your mortal body. In fact, it's even more sure than that acorn growing into that oak tree because something could happen. Somebody could come and pull it up, pluck it away, pour poison on it. Anything, any number of things could happen to that acorn that could keep it from becoming an oak tree. But the irrepressible spirit of the living God dwells within you, believer, and nothing shall take that away from you. That changes your future and your present. It is assured as more than anything. There is a greater power within you than that which is in the world. And its work, his work, cannot be, I wish this thing I could bang on it, cannot be, will not be thwarted. Do you hear that? If you are a believer in Christ, the resurrection life the spirit of the living God that will quicken your mortal body, his work and his presence cannot be and will not be thwarted in your life. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. 
Believer, you have been regenerated or made new, made alive. There is a resurrection power alive in you, and it has fundamentally changed your disposition and your nature, the core of who you are. You've been regenerated. Believer, by the Spirit of the living God dwelling in you, you are being sanctified. That resurrection power, that resurrection life that is at work within you is remaking you. It's remaking you. Look at the verses around our text. Go home and look at it in Romans 8. It is remaking you into the image of Jesus Christ so that whenever you one day, when you see him face to face, you will be like him by his resurrection life, creating and remaking you in his image. And through you, believer, the, that resurrection life and power, the Holy Spirit of God is remaking the world around you. There is resurrection and redemption at work within you and desiring to work through you, believer, spilling out of you like rivers of living water that cannot be held back or dammed up or, or held back. You have been regenerated. You are being sanctified and you will be glorified. The same life that the resurrected, glorified man, Jesus Christ, bore when he walked out of the grave. He appeared before all those disciples. Whenever he ascended into heaven, is now seated at the right hand of the Father. That glorified, resurrected body, that same body will be yours, believer. You will be glorified. That resurrection power will engulf you. You have been baptized into Christ, but you will be fully engulfed in the spirit of the living God. And you will be remade from the inside out. Every fiber of your being, every part of your soul, every part of your body remade. And what does all that mean? It means Jesus' death clears your past. His resurrection secures your future. And his spirit is at work within you, bringing resurrection, resurrection life. So that for the believer, that spirit is bringing true hope and peace and love and joy and freedom and power. Believer, Jesus' resurrection life is within you. And if you are here this morning and you don't know that to be true about you, maybe up until today, up until this moment, you haven't been sure what you believed about the facts concerning Jesus' life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Maybe you've been associated around Christianity and you kind of know and kind of vaguely believe things about Jesus, but you know that you have not experienced resurrection life at work within you. You do not know that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will raise you because he dwells within you. Today, all that can change. Today. Don't hide. Don't ignore it. Don't debate. Don't put it off. 
Don't make decisions that you're going to go home and be a better person. Don't decide that I'm going to go and read more of the Bible and figure out, though I would encourage you to do that. Don't decide that I'm going to go and stop doing these certain sins so that I can make a decision. No, today, right now, based upon his work on your behalf, look to him, bow to him, confess him as Lord, trust in him as your only savior. Believe the facts that are irrefutable and indisputable and lay down your life before him and cry out to him to save you. I promise you, it is no leap in the dark. It is a leap of faith into the most solid thing in the universe. Believe in him. Bow your knee to him as your God and king. And I make this promise to you. You will find the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead suddenly dwelling within you and giving you resurrection life as well. Isn't the gospel amazing? Isn't the truth around Jesus mind-blowing? Do you see why for all of eternity we will be, those who are believers will be singing his praises? Do you see why we'll bring our crowns and accomplishments to him and count them as so little that we'll cast him at his feet? Do you see why he is glorious, worthy of all praise and honor? We're getting ready to celebrate communion together. But we're going to respond first in a song of praise. Docs of kids are going to return back in here. We're going to sing together. Then at the end of this song, we're going to open up a station on each side with the bread and the juice. It's called the Lord's Supper or communion. And those of us who are believers in Christ are going to partake of this together where we remember the broken body, that's the wafer, and the shed blood, that's the juice of our Savior, who didn't just die, but he rose again. And if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, instead of partaking communion, maybe you want to sit and pray, or maybe, hey, grab me. I'll be right up at the front. I'd love to pray with you. In a few minutes, we'll have some people back in the prayer area. They'd love to pray with you as well. I'm going to pray and let's worship. Jesus Christ, the Holy One, Son of the living God, our risen Savior, who death could not hold, the King of the empty grave, we thank you for who you are, for what you've done, for all that you've done for us. Father, we pray that you, would do, that you would work your resurrection life and power within us. Of those who here who have came in, not believers in Christ, Lord, may they find resurrection life there was not before. God, for those of us who are believers, stir our hearts with affections and the truths of what you've done for us in Christ. We pray these things in the name of Jesus.